This is The Bulletin. I am your host, Evan Bright, joined by my co-host, Ben Carpenter. Earlier this week, Twitter put a state-affiliated media label on National Public Radio, a move the company called Unacceptable. They are now working to get the label removed as NPR said the label is contradictory to their goal of vigorous and vibrant free press. Hundreds of thousands throughout eastern Ontario and into Quebec are left without power after the worst ice storm in decades. More than one million Hydro-Quebec customers are expected to be disconnected for days as the company scrambles to fix the grid. They said that more than one million customers. How How is the storm that bad? It's a lot of customers. Yeah, as I welcome my co-host to the podcast. Hello. Do you feel that they let the Ottawa residents and the Quebec residents down? Absolutely. You gotta have power. Come on. This is Canada. It gets cold. Even on nice days, it gets cold. It does get cold. We it was really power. cold yesterday. In, even in the Ottawa region, a day later, some of the, some of the regions, I know the Capitol Ward, uh, Alta Vista, um, more than a thousand customers. I, I don't know the exact number, but I feel like many, many thousand customers are still left without power as we're pretty much a day and a half after the ice storm now. Yeah, 49,000, uh, over 49,000 customers left without power. Left out in the cold by Hydro Ottawa. Luckily, it did not affect uh, the Carleton University area where we are, but it did affect many high schools in the Ottawa and Montreal area as uh, many of them closed yesterday. And I believe Montreal schools are still closed today. Some of them may be, some may not. And 89,000 customers in Hydro One's area in Ottawa were left without power today, Thursday. And that's a day and a half after. The areas that were most affected are in Pryor, Perth, and Winchester. And they said it was the worst storm on the CBC. They said it was the worst storm in the Ottawa area, worst ice storm since 1998. That's over 25, that's 25 years ago. How is it possible? Because it feels like I'll ask you, don't you feel like they say this every every time there's something? Fill in the blank. Every time this is the worst blank since years and years and years. And how is that possible that these worst storms are coming and coming and coming? Do you think it's part of global warming? I think a lot of people will tell you it's part of global warming. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you know, it yeah, it just keeps getting worse. We have larger swings. More unstable weather, larger swarm, uh, larger storms. So, it's something to get ready for. We're gonna have a lot of the worst storms ever because they're just gonna keep getting worse. And I remember uh, a couple months back, there was a little bit of an ice storm. I guess it wasn't as bad as this one, but I went outside and immediately slipped and fell, wiped out. on my elbow. And yeah, we're seeing a lot of people who cars sliding and smacking into each other, people falling on the ice. It's just dangerous. And it's, it's scary. It's scary to see it. There was falling trees, branches in the middle of roads. When we woke up yesterday, it was a lot of, a lot of thunder around, which was, it's nice to listen to, but it's also a little frightening. They said they're working on getting it fixed, but is it fast enough? No, 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 no. You can't, you can't leave your customers out in the cold for this long. It's just not right. 
We got to get crews. If you look at the Hydro Ottawa website, you've got crews that haven't been assigned to outages. You've got uh, you've got restoration times that are just marked as delayed. People deserve to know when they're going to get their power back, and they deserve to have their power back. Mm-hmm. Let's hope the storms, the uh, outages get fixed soon. Absolutely. And even though we're not affected, we are hoping that our friends are all uh, back with power so they can keep their stuff in a nice cold fridge, turn on a, turn on a little heater, turn on some AC if they need to, anything like that. And listen to the bulletin. Of course. Well, I guess all you need is Wi-Fi and a stable, uh, stable podcasting app. But we'll jump right in to the National Public Radio story when we come back. In 1967, the Public Broadcasting Act created the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which in 1970 created NPR, the National Public Radio. Since then, the company has been broadcasting their free, non-commercial radio without outside political influence. Even though the media bias fact-checked has them leaning to the left, I think it's fair to say, and I'll throw to you, that they are unbiased and unprejudiced. You know what, Evan? Here's what I'll say about NPR. I listened to NPR, my local NPR channel, which was NEPM, every morning on the way to school. And they were nothing but unbiased, uninfluenced news. This label is truly atrocious in my mind. Really, really sickening. Because you know what? It puts them in the same groups as things like uh, the Russian Times which is a Russian news source and, and a, a propaganda arm for the, for the Kremlin. And is NPR as radical as any of those things? Absolutely not. That it doesn't seem like that for Elon Musk, Twitter's CEO. He sees it as he wants to restrict it, or at least he's trying to uh, say the government is influencing it. That is a move that's specifically contradictory to the company's goals, as they say they're bringing you unbiased. unfiltered and unbiased news news source. And the NPR CEO, John Lansing, said in a statement, it's unacceptable for Twitter to label us this way. A vigorous, vibrant free press is essential to the health of democracy, of our democracy. NPR, they do, however, receive funding from the U.S. government from grants from certain agencies, but the company said it accounts for less than 1% of their total funding. You know who funds NPR? Listeners like me. The Carpenter family has been a proud supporter of NEPM for decades because, like me, hundreds of thousands of people recognize that the news that they provide is good because it is not biased by political actors, nor is it biased by corporate actors. The Washington Post said that conservatives had been trying to reduce this funding for zero, to zero in the last years. The CPB gets over $500 million in funding to distribute to PBS, the public broadcasting system, uh, NPR, and a bunch of their affiliate stations. In trying to understand Musk's decision, if you compare it to Canada and across the ocean, NPR acts much like the CBC and the BBC, the Canadian and British Broadcasting Corporations. But I'd like to make to make an obvious point that the CBC and BBC aren't acting in the best interests of the government or being controlled by politicians, even though you do hear radical activists saying 
to defund the CBC because they think they're being influenced by Trudeau. Do you think it's the same sort of situation? You know what? I don't. And here's why. As you cited earlier, NPR gets 1% of their funding from the government. 1%. They get the rest of their funding from their listeners. And, and from donations, right? You cannot donate to the CBC. You cannot donate to the BBC. The only way that they make their, that they get the, you know, the money to do their programming is through the government. So in a way, it seems more likely that they would be influenced by political actors, even though they have been routinely shown that they are not. And I think that has a lot to do with the Canadian and the British political system. But the fact that Musk has added this label to NPR, a news organization which does lean a little bit to the left and is very critical of his actions and has not attributed it to the CBC or the BBC, really shows his hypocrisy. Right, The CBC and the BBC receive a lot more of their funding through governmental grants and no label. I don't think any of them should have a label, but if you're going to put a label on NPR, I mean, my God. Might as well start putting a label on everything. So saying something is state-affiliated, which we've made clear is unfair, when they don't get any influence from the government, I think that's fair to say. That might be a little biased from us, but... But would you say, is there anything that you say should be state-affiliated? Do you think anything should get that tag? Yes. Yes, there are certain media outlets that should get that tag. Um, I think the first one that comes to mind is uh, Russian Times. Russian Times, RT, is an English-language Russian news source, which is uh, controlled by the same... The same... Um, Gosh, the same processes and laws that regulate other Russian media outlets. And that should be labeled state-affiliated media, because it is, Hmm. right? People deserve to know that when they're getting their news from Russian Times, they are receiving what the Russian government wants them to hear. So um, I'll get a little bit off track and then I'll bring it back. I think it's important to mention that, uh, to put it all in perspective... Musk had a pretty much failed initiative months ago that let anyone and everyone put a little check mark next to their name if they paid, what was it, $10? $8. A move that made headlines as people posed as big companies to say wild things or to announce differing things that were not true at all to the actual company. You remember that happened. Yes, I do remember that. And it was, I think I remember one where the company actually had to, they got sued? By a bunch of people for some something? I don't remember the exact thing, but it was big catastrophe. Big, uh, big, big catastrophe. And CBC just reported recently that the New York Times got their verification check removed by Musk. And the move allows kind of anyone to pose as the Times and report wild things. Because unless you click into the profile, you don't know if it's actually the real account. Because other people can say that the New York Times pay for a little check mark, and suddenly they seem like the real New York Times. I'll ask you, why are these left-wing or left-leaning companies using Twitter at all if the CEO is actively trying to suppress their content and make it easier 
for people who are against them to either fuel their hate by seeing things like state-affiliated or pose as these companies to try and get some clicks. Gosh, well, you know, I think it just really goes down to the fact that a lot of journalism happens on Twitter. That's really why I'm on Twitter is because that's where you get the news first. You have journalists who are tweeting, live tweeting, you know, things that are happening in courtrooms, things that are happening in press conferences that you can't get anywhere else. It takes a long time to write a story on a reputable news source. And if you go on Twitter, you get it instantly, right away. I do think that the New York Times will move away from Twitter. I think NPR will move away from Twitter, right? Because it's kind of clear they're not welcome there. Why would they keep tweeting? Is Twitter going to become a right-wing radical news outlet? Elon Musk gets to make that choice. He can decide if he wants to support free, fair journalism, or if he wants to push for radical right-wing I would argue that he already made his decision. And it's being uh, kind of put out by all of these right-left-wing sort of news outlets get suppressed and get kind of bothered in a way. <laughs> yes, yes, annoyed, right? It It is annoying to be on Twitter now, and a lot of left-wing people just straight up got rid of it. And you see so many people who finally, I shouldn't say finally, they say, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with Twitter. I'm, And they say, find me on these social medias, mm-hmm. but I'm deleting Twitter. And Musk actually, for a while, suppressed that. He said, oh, well, you can't link to your Instagram account on Twitter. You can't link to your Mastodon account on Twitter, right? There's a lot of good reason to be done with Twitter for a lot of people. And there are a lot of good reasons to stay on Twitter for a lot of people. But Musk's clear bias is poking through. And a lot of people are just saying, it's enough. Any, any place, any club that calls NPR state-affiliated media is not a club I want to be a part of. So if that means deleting Twitter, I'll delete Twitter. You, hear, you heard it here first. Ben Carpenter officially deletes Twitter. He will do it right after this podcast. I cannot confirm that. You that will no rumor. longer find him on Twitter. I love Twitter. <laughs> I hate Elon Musk, but I love Twitter. Okay. Um, one thing you did mention, and I think... I think it's a great news outlet, Mastodon. Do you think that could become a better source for news? Well, now you've brought out the computer scientist in me. Let me tell you about Mastodon. No one wants to figure out how Mastodon works. No one knows how it works. I don't know how it works, but I You don't I know how it, it works. You don't have a Mastodon account. I do. You don't know how it works. No one does. I barely know how it works, and I do this for I, I, this is going to be my profession. I'm studying it, and I don't know how it works. You heard it here first. Ben doesn't know computer science. <laughs> he doesn't understand how a simple computer science thingy works. I love Mastodon. I want it to be great. I have a Mastodon account that I enjoy, but I don't think I can replace Twitter. Not yet. Not yet. But maybe soon. Maybe soon. Maybe someday. Okay. Now I want to get into my thesis, and I'll start dropping dropping uh, reasons. Okay, I'm biased. I'm left-wing, but I'm also a journalist, and I see this move as restricting the freedom of the press. Now let me digress. PEN America, an organization hoping to maintain free expression in the country, voiced their opinion on the matter, saying it restricts editorial independence, 
which I think makes sense. But the easy way to fix this is just for NPR to leave Twitter. As we said, on CBC, Penn's digital policy leader, Liz Woolery, said the decision was a dangerous move that could further undermine public confidence in reliable news sources. And that is at the backbone of it all. That's what's so consistently preached to journalism students in my program for when they enter the field of journalists. journalism. You need to be able to gain the trust of readers. Let me ask, how do you gain the trust of anyone if it says state-affiliated? Because in the time we live, the, the, the time we live in, it only scares people away. It does. It does. It is difficult to gain the trust of readers if outside sources with so much power are claiming your publication is being influenced or affiliated with the government. And even though we're not a fan, Elon Musk holds so much power and so much influence on what right-wing people and, in some cases, left-wing people think. Mm-hmm. And we're, as I mentioned, it, we're in the age that people no longer trust the media. Most mm-hmm. people don't. And actually fighting to convince other members of the public that they're crazy and the media is lying to them. And as I've said, I've, as I've said repeatedly, this move undermines everything journalism is trying to be. Now, as, uh, as Ben mentioned earlier, uh, the only other two that Washington Post listed as having the state-affiliated media is the Russian Times and the People's Daily Newspaper of the Chinese Communist Party. Are they in the same category as those other two and i'll answer the question for you no they're not (laughs) that's an easy one now this may be out of line but why are we not further insinuating that other media outlets like fox news are being influenced by politicians because i'd like to argue that they are being influenced by people like trump people like desantis and why don't we just go crazy and suggest that everything that receives government funding is influenced by the scary left-wing politicians? Boeing, they make Air Force One, they must be Biden's best friend. Ford, General Electric, General Motors, Google, Walt Disney, I can go on and on. All of these things are receiving government funding. So why don't we say that they are influenced by the politicians? Mm. It's because they're not media. And everyone loves to insinuate that the media is being influenced by politicians. That's right. When at the end of the day, it is the complete opposite. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. I just think it's a big deal. And this is bad for journalism and bad for freedom of the press. Absolutely. Okay, let me wrap things up. I'll read you a statement from Lansing, the CEO of NPR. NPR and our member stations are supported by millions of listeners, such as the Carpenter family, who listen proudly and depend on us for the independent fact-based journalism we provide. NPR stands for freedom of speech and holding the powerful accountable. They can't hold the powerful accountable when the powerful are restricting them. Absolutely. Very well said. (sighs) Take a deep breath after that one. Now we'll leave you with that. We'll leave you with something to think on, something to uh, take to your politicians. If you're American, donate to your local NPR station. Yes, fight this. Delete Twitter, just like Mr. Ben Carpenter. Yes, just like I have 100% promised to do. Delete your Twitter account. Yes. Okay. We will talk at you again when we put the third one out. But for right now, I hope you enjoy. You can listen to it again if you miss our voice. But we'll see you soon. This has been 
The, the Bulletin. Bulletin. Good night. It's like the football theme.